Uh, we're in a series, we're going to jump right into it. I uh, wanted to chat a little bit, kind of feel you guys out, see where you're, how you're feeling today. You guys feeling okay? Because we're about to talk about a subject that's uh, a little heavy. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to dive into it. Uh, we're in this series called Addition by Multiplication. Multiplication by Addition is actually the name of the series. Multiplication by Addition. And and a couple of weeks ago, we heard from, uh, from Lucy and Rachel on uh, crossing uh, multi-generational uh, boundaries, like, like crossing the divide in the sense that, that we are, as Christ followers, we are not supposed to do this in a silo. We are supposed to follow Jesus as a community, as a body, as a family, and and we don't discount parts of the body, whether it be multi-generational or as Jay talked about last week, uh, multi-ethnic. That, uh, that it, just because people are different than us doesn't mean that we don't engage into relationship and engage into kingdom work with them. And, uh, and when we do that, when we step across that bridge, what we find is uh, a multiplication of God's kingdom in this culture that we live in. Today, I want to talk about uh, multiplication by subtraction. Um, there's a few people that need to go, and, uh, and so we're, that was a joke. I, we're not going to kick anybody out today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, so like me? Is it me? It's me, isn't it? Uh, no, we're going to talk about the things in our life that need to be removed in order for us to be multipliers for God's kingdom. And... Uh, I want to talk about um, something that's called strongholds. If you're a part of a rooted group, our rooted groups last uh, this last week and the week before um, have, are in the midst of the week of uh, strongholds in the in the rooted groups. And I thought, you know, it's great that they're going through this, but it probably be, would be super helpful if all of us had this uh, conversation and and talked a little bit about it. I'm not going to talk specifically out of the rooted uh, curriculum, but I am talking out of uh, a, a Jewish scholarly approach to what stronghold actually means. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, we're going to start there, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, it says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul's words here uh, in the use of stronghold uh, really is defined as holding firmly to an argument. It's, a stronghold is an accusation that's planted firmly in your mind in this context. And, and what happens is uh, we have an enemy. We have an enemy of our soul. His name is Satan. And he attempts to establish strongholds in God's people by implanting lies in their minds, falsehoods, misconceptions, especially in regard to the goodness and character of God. It's why we just got done singing two songs about the goodness of God, that, that if the enemy can do anything successfully, it would be to get you to believe that God isn't actually good. And he's been doing this since the beginning. 
I'll give you a couple examples, other examples of what he attempts in our life. He may try to plant in our minds the lie that we're not spiritual enough, right? That we're unworthy of God's grace. He might whisper to us repeatedly that we will never be free from our sin. And in fact, we haven't tried hard enough or or we haven't changed, and, and now God's lost his patience with us because we're just kind of up and down with this sin issue, and, and so he just continues to perpetuate this lie, and we listen to it. The enemy might try to convince us that we have a right to hold on to bitterness because we've been wronged. And so that somehow holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness is actually our right. And if we keep listening to these lies, what happens is we begin to believe them after a while and they begin to be embedded into our hearts and into our minds. We are told in Scripture that Satan is the accuser and he comes against us time and time and time again with his army of accusers planting these demonic lies in our minds. And these lies are his stronghold and if we don't resist them by God's word, they will embed fear, anxiety, that will keep us from the peace that God promises in this life. So this word stronghold is uh, a little bit tricky because it's been thrown around in Christendom. Uh, it's become a Christianese word, the word stronghold has, but, but it's really just a metaphor. Paul's using this as a, a metaphor, and I want us to unpack the metaphor a little bit because I think it will actually help us in understanding the application to our own life. In this metaphor... The stronghold is important in literal warfare. Uh, a stronghold is a defensive structure. Uh, Psalm 9, Psalms 9.9, 9, the Lord is our refuge for the oppressed. He is a stronghold in times of trouble. Uh, the, the biblical word is misgav. It's a cliff or other lofty place. It is figuratively a refuge, a defense, a high fortress, a tower. So a cliff could be a stronghold because it's high and it's inaccessible to its enemies. For Samuel 23, 14, David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Of Ziph. If you go to Israel, we've had the privilege to take a team from here, and uh, if you go down into the desert towards the, uh, the Dead Sea, you can see the wilderness where David was hiding out, and it is up the mountains in caves. That's a stronghold. If the enemy comes, it's much easier to drive them away from a stronghold in a high place. If you go to... Uh, Italy, and you drive through uh, the, the Tuscan region of Italy, what you will find are uh, hilltop village after hilltop village. Why would they build their villages on a hill? Why would they lug all of those bricks and all of the things necessary to get them up that mountain? And, and we, we went to these hilltop villages, and it is a lot of steps why would they do that but to take the high ground and defend themselves from their enemies? It's a stronghold. 
We see this in uh, wars, uh, strongholds being taken in wars. If you go to Israel, you'll see a place called Latern. Latern is, a, is located at a strategic hilltop in the Aelon Valley. It overlooks the road between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It's 25 kilometers west of Jerusalem and 14 kilometers southeast of Ramla. It's right off the main highway from Tel Aviv and the airport heading to Jerusalem. And that was the problem. This place was a stronghold right along the main highway. And it intersected with a highway leading from Gaza up to Ramallah, two major population centers of Palestinian Arabs. And when the Turks had this stronghold, when they controlled the land, they built a fortress uh, near a monastery there. When the British converted the fortress into, uh, when they had it, they converted it into a police station. And then when the War of Independence began, the Arab Legion controlled the Latron stronghold. And from this perch, they could pick off the caravans, bringing supplies into Jerusalem. This was one stronghold if they were going to gain their independence that they were going to have to take. And five times, five separate times, the Israeli defense forces tried to take it, and again and again, the Arab legion drove the attackers away. The Israelis finally decided, I don't think we're going to be able to defeat them, and so they built uh, a, uh, what would be like a Burma road circumventing the stronghold over the rough terrain so that the supply trains could get through. So I want us to think about the strategic importance of a stronghold and recognize that for 20 years, that stronghold placed, uh, that stronghold threatened the security of Israel in the heart of the nation. The question for us this morning is, what is the stronghold in our life that has threatened the security of our hearts throughout this life? And the question that should follow that is, are we willing to fight to take it back? The other thing I think is important to recognize is that, that in the metaphor, the stronghold is a place. It's a, it's a place that, that inhabits uh, an enemy or it inhabits uh, the, the people that are on your side, right? You're, they're friendlies. A stronghold is only a threat if there are enemy soldiers inside it. A stronghold, however, can actually be a place of comfort. Uh, in 2 Samuel 22, 2-3, David said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my Savior from violent men. You save me. See, the person or persons inside the stronghold could be your enemy or they could be your friend. In a spiritual stronghold, there could be lies, there could be unforgiveness, there could be wrong thinking, there could be sin, or there could be truth and forgiveness and righteousness. A spiritual stronghold is a habitual pattern of thought that, that's built into one's thought life. And our enemy wants to do whatever he can to capture the minds 
of people. Because the mind is the fortress of our soul. He who controls the mind controls a very strategic place. In Romans chapter 8, we read in verse 5 and 6, those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I love that last line in verse 6 where it says, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If you were to ask me to uh, define for you in one word the current climate of our culture, the word would not be peace. Instead, what, what we tend to hear are things like anxiety and fear and depression and yet we, we know that if our minds are governed by the Spirit, the promise is life and peace. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his, his heart, so is he. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We, we, have, we have paraphrased that. Out of the mouth flows the heart. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Strongholds are these storage places. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're constantly saying things out of anger that you regret, constantly speaking words of, of, of not Nice. You might have a stronghold issue. That there's something that's coming out of your mouth that actually is a part of what's going on inside you. I said that in first service and everybody was like, uh-oh. <laughs> it just got quiet. That's a hard reality when we start recognizing, yeah, I keep doing, I keep saying things. Why am I getting so angry. What is it about that? Why do I find myself constantly in that place? Strongholds are storage places. They, they hold food. They hold water. They hold weapons. And a stronghold actually becomes a stronger stronghold the more stuff that gets stored in there. The more weapons that you have in your stronghold, the more secure you are. Vice versa, the more thought, the more lies, the more things that are allowed to become a stronghold, the stronger it gets. In the life of the mind, the stuff that we were once aware of gets stored up in our unconscious memory. And here's the thing is, oftentimes it becomes really difficult to deal with it. It's, it's way back in the recesses of our unconscious memory, and it becomes a hard issue to address. It could be a rut of depression or reoccurring unbelief or 
just a bad temper. People say, well, I, I just have a bad temper. That's not okay. That's not Christ-like. It might be a repeating pattern of failure. Sometimes a stronghold will cause us to provoke others to reject us without even necessarily recognize the, recognizing that we're doing it. It might be a stronghold of resentment or worthlessness. If someone is sexually abused or verbally abused, a stronghold of worthlessness may, may build up a stockpile of negative thoughts that somehow I'm the guilty one, that nobody could really love me, I'm good for nothing, I'm ugly. A stronghold gets filled with arguments like these that nobody would like me if they actually got to know me. Nobody really knows me. Nobody really cares for me. Nobody really wants me for me. And of course, all of these things are just, they're lies. We know they're lies. We, you can hear me say those things and it doesn't sit right with you because you know that's not true. And yet somehow we've, let, we've allowed and let those lies continue to fill up our stronghold. A person may hear a message about God's love, maybe at church, maybe from a friend. But what happens is, is when there's a stronghold that's been established of lies that God's about, about God's goodness, you hear it, and it bounces around and is deflected on the stronghold and then ejected out. It, it bounces off the walls of the stronghold of rejection and worthlessness. You almost hear the truth that has come to set you free, and then comes another thought, yeah, but what about that? Or you just, you just don't know, you just don't understand, you just don't know the situation, and out comes another string of lies and excuses and smoke screens that are shot down. A stronghold creates an inner captivity to deception and misery. A stronghold keeps a person from thinking clearly, accepting the truth. It keeps people from repenting of sin and receiving deliverance. A, a stronghold can, can keep an unbeliever from hearing the gospel, believing the gospel. So what do you do? How do you take back the stronghold? Well, the first is you have to see it. You have to know what you're dealing with. It's, it's kind of hard to take a stronghold that you can't even see. Strongholds of the mind can be hidden. And the reason why they can be hidden is because evil things hang out in darkness. Uh, before first service, uh, I had someone share with me, it was actually Kathy, she was sharing with me a picture that, that she had about stepping out out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus is the Prince of Light. We have, have been called out of darkness into His wonderful light. And yet, there's this old pattern of thought in us that is a place of darkness. It's this 
stronghold and we are afraid to step into the light. It's interesting because I, I think for most of us, we want, we want that. We want to be free from that. But when we step into the light, we're actually afraid of what people will think. Ephesians 5.11 urges us to have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. If you want to let the light of God expose the darkness, then this is how we do it. We start with an attitude of humility. We have to be willing. We have to be vulnerable to step out and say, God, would you let your light shine in the midst of this darkness. In Psalm 26.2, David prays, Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. I wonder if we could pray that. I wonder if we could pray that prayer. See, I have this picture of this stronghold up on a mountain, and, and they are the enemy is is shooting at us and we're afraid that if we just poke our head around the corner of the protection that that we're going to get hit. And I wonder if we're afraid to step out into the light because, because we're afraid of getting hit by family, by friends, by our community at church. Can you pray that prayer? Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. If you can't, if you can't pray that prayer, if if you're not willing to let God begin to reveal strongholds in your life, then maybe the first stronghold that, that you need to address is pride. Maybe that's the, the, the first step because the first step is tearing down that pride. And, and if we know anything, and if you've been walking in any sort of relationship with God over the years, what you'll discover is that the Holy Spirit will do everything He can to tear your pride down. To bring down the, the stronghold of pride. If you need help with it, might I suggest the ministry? The ministry will do one of two things. It will either make you more prideful or it will completely humble you. Uh, And I hope in my situation, it's the latter. Isaiah 25.11 says, God will bring down their pride despite the cleverness of their hands. He will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground to the very dust. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, I don't need this, could I just speak that message over you? If pride is bad news, then what's the good news? If pride is, if, if pride is bad news, then, then the good news is humility. Because humility 
In James 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but, but gives grace to the humble. The good news is if we humble ourselves before the Lord, the promise is that we will receive what? Let me read it again. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, so if we humble ourselves before the Lord, the promise is that He will give us what? Okay. <laughs> he will give us grace. And Satan can't stand humility. It breaks his power over you when you humble yourself. Once you recognize the stronghold, the next step is to bring it down through repentance. To be honest before God and, and humbly let the Spirit expose the stronghold in the darkness. Could we pray Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to show us areas of darkness, we have the opportunity to repent. The challenge with this is you may fight this instinct that was put in you as a child to defend yourself. When you humble yourself and say, examine my heart and my mind and show me those areas in my life, those strongholds in my life, and all of a sudden he does, you're like, well, but not, not that. That's not that bad. Or you have this little lawyer on your shoulder who's, who's defending you to God saying, well, my guy's not that bad. You know, look at that guy over there. He's way worse. The reality is, is the best defense attorney for all of us is Jesus. He defends us. He justifies us by the sacrifice on the cross through His blood. We don't have to justify ourselves. We can let Him do it. A, a broken and contrite heart, Scripture says, he will not despise. Maybe a stronghold has gotten pretty entrenched and strong. Sometimes a, a simple frontal attack doesn't seem to work. And so what do we do? I, I'm always interested in the strategy that was used to bring down a stronghold in Scripture uh, called the city of Jericho. In the city of Jericho, you've got this walled city, uh, and I envision it like I do uh, a, one of the hilltop villages in Tuscany. It's like this walled city that's up on the hill, and, and God gives the Israelites some instructions. He says, I want you to march around the city. Just, just march. Just keep marching and keep marching. Blow your trumpets. Sing a little song, do a little dance, but march. I don't know where you guys were going with that, but. Here's what was happening in the Spirit. 
The people of God were surrounding the city with an obedience to God's Word. They were surrounding the city with faith. And they were surrounding the city with the praises of God. They also cut off that city from its supplies from the realm of darkness. And as the power of faith grew in their hearts of the marching people, the power of the walls of Jericho grew weaker and weaker. So how do we then surround a stronghold of negative thinking? How about praise? Psalm 32.7 says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Surround the stronghold with praise, singing psalms, singing spiritual songs to the Lord, that, that that's a way in which we can begin to weaken the walls of the stronghold. For every negative stronghold, there's a powerful way to surround it with the opposite truth from God. If you're struggling with depression, you surround it with hope. If you're struggling with rejection, surround it with the acceptance of the Father. If you're struggling with unresolved anger, surround it with forgiveness. If you're struggling with fear, surround it with the knowledge of God's love that He has for you. If you're struggling with failure, surround it with the victory of the resurrection of Jesus. And once you've identified a stronghold, you go to Scripture and you find all of the possible passages that speak to the opposite truth. That takes that lie and says, this truth is the truth of God's Word. If the stronghold is rejected, rejection, Study all that the Bible says about God's acceptance of you and surround that stronghold with His Word. Once the enemy sees that he's surrounded by humble submission, by praise, by the Word of God, guess what happens? His resistance will quickly weaken if he's not gone already. Can we pray, test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Now, recognizing that this word stronghold is tricky in the context of church, I think it's important for me to point out that what I'm talking about here, I know some of you may be thinking this way, is that, you know, Halloween's coming up. Are we, are we doing an exorcism? Like, is it, is it, are we talking about demonic possession here? No. No, we're not. We're, we're talking about an enemy who, in some aspect of our life, has taken the higher ground and has no dwelling authority over us, but has the ability to annoy us really, really bad. I've discovered I have this problem in my life. It's, uh, it has to do with noise. Some of you share this problem with me, but it's a scientific fact that, that there are some of us that have something in our brain that, yeah, it's me and Amon in this room uh, and others that are all pointing to their spouse. And 
it's a scientific fact that, that there's this thing in our brain that when there's background noise going on, drives you crazy. And, and it, I'm a little bit of a diva about it, but our home is pretty quiet and, and stuff. But, but if there's something in the background, a TV in the background while I'm thinking about something, it just drives me nuts. If I'm on a plane and I've got my headphones on and there's supposed to be noise canceling and yet I can still hear the baby across the way. I don't have a problem with a baby crying. I get it. We've traveled with kids. But it's annoying. It's just grating. Anybody else? How many? Just raise a hand. How many struggle with this? Let's take a look and feel sorry for all of us. The rest of you, you can be loud, obnoxious. You guys should all have a party together. And the rest of us will go read. The, this is probably just a horrible theological analogy, but, but what I envision the enemy doing is being this oppressive annoyance into our life. That, that there's just, there's that, that noise, that lie, that, that hurt, that pain, and it's, it's just grating at us. And in some ways, we've allowed it to take root, and the Lord wants to free us from that. Can we pray the prayer, test me, O Lord. Examine my heart and my mind. Will you show me those areas of my life that I've allowed the enemy's annoyance to become a problem? It could be a sin issue in your life. It could be unforgiveness it could be just lies that you've started to believe. It could be an insecurity of not being accepted. But all of those things are the annoyance of the enemy and they're the noise of the enemy. And God wants you to be free from that today. He wants you to be free from it. I can't tell you what stronghold the enemy has taken in your life, you can only ask the Lord to examine your heart and mind. And so I want us to do that. Just right where we're at, we'll just, no music playing, just silence the humming of the air conditioning. Could we just ask the Lord to examine our hearts and our minds and show us those areas that need to be brought out into the light so that we can be free from them.